And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Uh, we also have the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews, and we hope that you will subscribe or at the very least uh, click the notification so you are notified when a new interview, a new conversation is posted. Uh, we uh, hope that you will uh, uh, avail yourselves also of uh, the campaign we've been running since September of 2019. And in this case, uh, we're going to talk about it from the standpoint of uh, the, um, uh, what do we want to call it? The decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where uh, we ask you to spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice and just sit quietly, peacefully. Uh, I, uh, I, we're speaking at, at this time, this particular conversation, prior to um, a train trip I'm taking back to Phoenix. Uh, I'll take a plane too. Uh, but I'm going to have a couple of, couple of hours, hour and a half or so uh, or more uh, to just kind of sit and contemplate and so forth as I travel back uh, to Phoenix uh, to be with my family as we, um, as we have a memorial for my, my father. And uh, so we encourage you to do the same thing. It'll bring you some peace and some calm. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that in terms of good health and well-being. That's what it's really all about, folks. And we're going to talk about that with a returning guest. I love having this gal on my program. This woman on my program, sorry. Uh, <laughs> her name is uh, Kathy Groover. And uh, Kathy, thank you so much for being back with us again. It's always a pleasure to uh, grab insights from you about not only what it means to be healthy uh, and so forth, but how to maintain our health, not just physical, but mental, emotional, and spiritual. How are you doing? I'm so great. Thanks for having me back. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, it's always fun to talk with you. You know, I, I swear, we have we really known, known each other for, what, 15, 16 years? So when I moved longer here? than that. <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, you have been, uh, and I, I use the term loosely only because there's so many things that you're into, uh, but you've been into uh, health and wellness for the longest time. You even have some books uh, that people can pick up uh, in regards to the work that you do. I do indeed. So I've been, geez, pro I've been doing massage for over 30 years, which is weird because I'm only 35. So I, you know, I have very small hands, but they're very strong. Uh, yeah, I have eight books. I'm working on my ninth right now, which is really exciting and um, expanded what I do past just the massage. Started doing hypnosis probably six or seven years ago. Still do a little bit of that, but I'm doing a lot of life coaching, which is I think probably the thing that's changed since I saw you last. Uh, I think we actually spoke during the pandemic, maybe, or right I before. Think, I think uh, we did. So yeah, I'm doing a lot of life and executive coaching, couples coaching, which is so fun. And it's just um, expanded out of what I've been doing my entire life. So it's uh, it's a great joy. And you've had changes throughout your life, as we all do, which always seems to be the one element uh, that, uh, at least from an, I'm going to say, an, an unconscious perspective, that in, in this case, the body 
just can't seem to handle. For example, uh, I was diagnosed a few years back with type 2 diabetes. It was gone in a, m- a month and a half, okay? And it's been normal up until the last few uh, weeks. Huh. And even though I'm not drinking sodas, haven't had one, uh, but my blood sugar has been, I don't know, in the th- 130s, 140s. Matter of fact, I just checked it the other, uh, just recently. I think it was like uh, 184 or something, which isn't bad. It's it's a little high, but it's okay. Uh, I, I'll live. Uh, but I'm going, okay, I can't, I, I, I got to stay away from this, that, and the other thing. because. Uh, yeah. and, and then, of course, someone said to me, yeah, well, the other thing that will raise your blood sugar is stress. Stress. And I didn't know that. This, I mean, I knew that stress would raise my blood pressure, but blood sugar too. Wow! So Str- something new. Stress affects everything. everything. And, you know, I'm so I'm so to go back to something you said about change, right? I mean, I'm actually one of the programs I do for corporations and stuff right now is overcoming resistance to change because it's not the change that's the issue for us; it's our resistance to it. If we just go with it and we look at it as something that might be easy, then it doesn't doesn't freak us out, right? Right. And the stress that is comes from the resistance to change or just what's happening from being a human on this planet, you know, yeah. stress affects so many different aspects of our life. And I'm not, I, as soon as you said it's high again, my first thought was, well, have you been under stress? So yeah, yeah. it made, makes perfect sense. Well, and of course, uh, as I've already shared, you know, my, my father uh, passed away on the 1st of March, 2023. And uh, my sister, my eldest sister, his eldest daughter actually passed away on the 20. 20- 8th of March last year. Oh, and it's like, what, what's next? And, but see, I don't really look at it in that fashion. What's next? I know a lot of people do, mm-hmm. but, but that's not my perspective. It's, you know, it's like I knew last year uh, and even years prior, one of these days I'm going to get that call. Richard, mm-hmm. your, your father has, has passed and I didn't get it and I didn't get it. And now when he did pass, I already knew that he was on the downhill uh, and, and so forth. And I, I uh, so, so it's like, okay, this past uh, 11 months, it's been a little horrific. But then, of course, you had the pandemic. But I was still working and I was doing fine and I was happy uh-huh. and all this. Are there times, though, that we might show on the outside, hey, Cassie, I'm fine. I'm doing great. This is a fun time. I'm so excited. And yet on the inside, the biology, the physiology is saying, "Uh, uh-uh, no, you're not. Yeah. You know, there's so many warning signs of stress, right? And it's funny. I do, you know, I do so much radio and TV and I had called into um, a show, I think it was in Chicago, kind of similar to this, except we're just on the phone. And Uh, the guy who was hosting said, hey, why don't you go over some of the warning signs of stress? And I mentioned a couple like muscle tension, not sleeping, uh, smoking, crankiness, uh, losing joy in things you would normally take pleasure in, sense of humor going out the window, bullying, bossiness, road rage. And all of a sudden there was dead silence on the other end. And as you know, nothing says good radio like absolutely dead silence. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I waited for a pause and then I went, uh, did we, am I off the air? Like, did I lose the feed? And all of a sudden he goes, oh no. And I said, oh, do you need me to call back in? And he goes, no, I'm stressed. I had no idea. He didn't recognize that these things were warning signs because we normalize this stuff, right? We think it's okay that our shoulders are up to here and that we're cranky with our spouse, that we haven't pooped in two weeks. We just think these things are normal because our body's seeking homeostasis, which is that balance. And in reality, those are signs that something is wrong. 
every once in a while are we tense? Sure. Every once in a while does the movie get us and we cry? Every once in a while do we have that Calgon take me away moment? Sure. But when they become persistent and pervasive, and so often others can see it in a way that we can't, right? Because we don't have that mirror all the time to see ourselves. So if you see those things in like your colleagues, your partner, your kids, your boss, your friends, that they are starting to exhibit these signs that are kind of un, you know, abnormal for them, it might be time to reach out and say, hey, I've been noticing that you're grinding your teeth or, hey, I've been noticing that you're really kind of short tempered. Is everything OK? It's the time to reach out from that place of curiosity, not judgment. Like, well, you've really been being a jerk the last couple of days, you know, but like, <laughs> hey, I've noticed that you've been just a little bit, you know, short tempered. And what's happening with that? Is there anything I could do to help you? That reaching out to somebody when you see those signs is so huge to helping people, one, recognize them and two, help them get assistance for what might be causing that stress. So it's totally possible for someone to go, I have no stress. And then you look at them and you're like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> but then there's the other side, the person who is experiencing the stress uh, and if they're honest with themselves, uh, when someone asks, are you okay? Don't say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Okay. Especially if you know, and if you're being honest with yourself, that you're not. Now, right. I I'm not going to sit here and go, no, I'm okay. You know, hey, my dad just died. No, I'm okay. I'm not. Honestly, I'm not. Obviously, my blood sugar number is up a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if I was to check my blood blood pressure right now. It would be up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, pre, pre-trip, as we're speaking now, uh, my mind has already gone to that trip. And I'm thinking, God, I can hardly wait to get on that train. I love, I love traveling. And mm -hmm. I love taking the train. So that's, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, I know that's in the future. And we need to live mm -hmm. in the now. I, you know, we can talk about that too. But it's like... Oh, Friday, come, come quickly. Come, come, get me closer, get me closer. Where's the rope? I need to pull myself closer to Friday. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where that actually, when I think about that and the trips I've taken before, uh, I'm you know, it's like getting away from the, the day to day, the same old, same old and and having a different venue, even though, like I said, the train is a wonderful venue that I've taken many times. Um we're talking with Kathy Groover, kathygroover.com. Did you know that, folks? She, she like I, was able to get a website with, with uh, her name. But you also have kathygroover.coach. What's the difference between the two? Yeah, so kathygroover.com is mainly for my speaking. So you can find my TEDx talk there, a couple other recordings of some of the workshops and talks that I've given, all the information about my different uh, speaking topics and how to reach me for that. kathygroover.coach. It's in the title. It's my coaching site. So it's about the life coaching, the relationship coaching, and the executive coaching that I do. And like I said, that's kind of been my main focus. So uh, right now I have room in my practice for two more people. I'm pretty full up, but I've got two more spots if anyone needs some life or executive coaching. Then go to kathygroover.com or kathygroover.coach and find out more and sign up to be one of her um, maybe uh, remaining two or three uh uh, participants in the work that she does as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank uh, Kathy Groover for joining us here on the program as we talk about um, health and wellness. And one of the biggest issues that I am so glad that we, we are talking about, but it's important to use the right terminology, in my opinion, is not the mental illness crisis. No, 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 no. Wrong words. Wrong words. Uh, 
to talk about our mental health and well-being. Mental health. And that we need to acknowledge that for the last three years, everybody, even I who was able to come to work every single day, and yes, who tested positive at least at least uh, once, okay, the most frustrating part about that was, darn, I can't go anywhere until I get a negative, darn it, because I had, I had no symptoms. Anyway, uh, are you happy about the fact that we're starting to talk about these conditions so that we can get rid of the stigma and, and, and people from the military and from sports and from other, and who experience certain traumas due to, I don't know, the mass shootings and the this and the that and the other can say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really having a hard, it's like what you said earlier about stress. They can actually say, you know, I'm a big burly man. I got a 42 inch chest. Now I got muscles coming out my ears and I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not feeling too good inside. Yeah, and I'm hurting. And I'm hurting. And and it's and that that's okay. That it doesn't make you less of a man. Absolutely. Or yeah. woman, for that matter. Because I know it's sure. It, yeah. Talk yeah. to us about that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I love that you brought up. Um, you like the mass shootings. I mean, I don't love that you brought that up, but I mean, I love that we're having this conversation about it. So I see the mental health issue as two kind of two separate tracks, right? So we have this situational thing where. God forbid, a grade school, a high school student, someone on the streets, somebody in whatever experienced something that was traumatic, and they are now having trouble dealing with it. That's a horrible situation. That's a horrific thing to have to deal with. And then on the sort of the other track of this, you have someone that's been dealing with mental health and mental wellness issues their entire life. Perhaps they have clinical depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, that sort of thing. So there's sort of the situational stuff, which I feel like we're almost sort of dealing with better, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you were witness to a shooting in this mall. How can we help you? That doesn't have the same stigma because there's cause and effect. They know exactly what caused it. It's the people who struggle on a day-to-day basis with health and wellness crisis, and they are still not being treated well. Um, how do I do this without sharing too many facts? Um, I have a client who, um, is dealing clearly with some sort of mental health crisis. Now I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I do not diagnose that is for other people, but I'm not ignorant to these things. Mm -hmm. And this client I've known for years, um, they are a, a drinker and they ended up in the ER a couple of times. And the ER ignored the mental health issue and focused solely on the drinking. And this person found themselves wandering through parking lots at three or four in the morning, hallucinating, talking to shrubbery, thinking it was a group of people. I mean, they were clearly having some sort of psychotic break. And it was, to me, again, not diagnosing, really indicative of bipolar and a bipolar episode. Mm -hmm. And the ER both times blamed it on the alcohol and did not look at the underlying mental health problem. Mm. And in talking to a few friends of mine who are psychologists, they were so frustrated and said, this is not unusual that somebody will present using a substance like alcohol, some sort of drugs, marijuana, and they will 100% look at the substance and not look at the cause under it. And so in that way, here's another case where it's broken, right? Um, So often someone will arrive, maybe, maybe they're homeless, They arrive in the ER and they are handed a prescription and a taxi voucher. 
and they are sent back on the street and expected to just, you know, taxi over to CVS and turn in that prescription. They're in the middle of a mental health crisis. And so stuff like that is still so broken, not only in this country, in this town and in the environment that we're living in. And I see it starting to shift. The conversations are starting to happen, allowing uh, mental health services to be provided online. Because before, like I have a dear friend who's a psychologist and outside of California, she can't help anybody. She can't get on a Zoom call like I can with my coaching clients and help somebody in Indiana. Um, And I'm starting to see that shift. There's all these great mental health services where they pair you with a therapist and they pair you with a social worker and you can do everything you want to online or via the phone. That is so good that we now have that access, that you don't have to wait, you know, 12 weeks to see a therapist when you're having something wrong. Um, And this is also where coaching comes in, right? Again, I'm not a psychologist, but for things that can be handled in the coaching realm, that's the perfect place to call on a coach and not wait for a psychologist to help you. So just, you know, that was a long rambling answer, but that's just, you know, some examples of what I see happening right now in, in our society. So we're getting better, but yeah. we have a long way to go. Long indeed, way to go. indeed. And I, I, first of all, let me say <clears throat> that I appreciate uh, the, both, both the disclaimer, but also the description. Uh, and I, I, I like what you have said, acknowledging you're not this, you're not that. Whereas uh, as soon as the, uh, uh, the, the COVID virus hit uh, the U.S., I couldn't believe how many members of the news media immediately were able to show their epidemiology certificate, uh, showing how much they already knew. Uh, uh, and I'm going, who the heck are you and why are you talking to me about this? You have no clue as to what this is. You're supposed to be talking to the experts, not yeah. sharing with us your uh, uh, your inept degree in epidemiology. I mean, yeah. I don't know, even to this day, in spite of all of the information out there. And that's another element I'd like to talk about is the amount of information that's out there. Specifically, we're staying on mental health. We're not going down that other road yet. Maybe yep. not at all. Uh, but in terms of uh, uh, dealing with one's mental health, I know that there is one method and I've worked with a couple of people in this regard, uh, that, that they use to help people work through uh, to help to get back to a semblance of um, manage, I don't want to say normal because there's no such thing as normal, manageable right. mental health uh, and mm-hmm. so forth. And that is music. Mm. Uh, for me, my personal experience has been um, in writing songs. Uh-huh. And this particular program by the, my guest, Emily Yurchison, who is a local Santa Barbara, who has a book about uh, uh, the Odyssey of Song, where she takes people uh-huh. through these 12 steps that helps them to write their song. And that's what I did. And my song at that time was, I'm a good man doing the best I can. Because uh, I, I felt like, uh, and it wasn't so much from any particular source that I wasn't feeling appreciated. It was just kind of in general, there were some specific sources I won't go into. And I just needed to remind myself, Hey, you're a good man. You're just doing the best you can. That's all anybody can do is the best they can. And, um, and then of course I started writing a song for my father back in November, knowing that this time period would come and uh, so, and that's another thing that, that I have been working on and, and uh, put it together. And, 
and uh, I may I may end up recording it and finding some instrumental uh. instrumental people and so forth and so on. But music seems to be a good therapeutic method. Have you uh, have you delved into any of that aspect? And if not, what methods? And again, knowing that you're not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but yet you're still sensitive to people. Uh-huh. What methods have you found that you've steered people to to help them to help to manage their mental health better? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought up music therapy because uh, it's so I was a psych minor in college and I swore if I ever went back to school, it would be for psychology. So I read psychology books for fun. <laughs> so oh, like wow. when I'm on the plane, you know, everybody else is reading People magazine. I'm reading psychology today. So I have enough experience in it that I can speak intelligently about it. But again, I am not a licensed mental health professional. Um, so music therapy is amazing. I've never done it because I'm musically handicapped. Like, I'm just terrible <laughs> at it. I can't read music. I played the clarinet for like five minutes in high school. And to avoid making horrible sounds, I would just move my fingers as if I was playing and not actually blow because I didn't want to, you know, like throw everybody else off. So, <laughs> but my background's in dance. I've been dancing ah. since I was three. I still dance three or four days a week. It's it's my my drug, my church, my healing, my release, my escape, my joy, right? So to your point, you have to find what resonates with you. I'm probably not going to go do music therapy. I'm not going to do horse therapy because I'm horribly allergic and that's going to put me in more of a trauma than if it wasn't. Um, you know, find what works for you. And a couple of the things that I use, I do a lot of sort of cognitive behavioral stuff with the coaching. Uh, I do a lot of uh, cognitive restructuring with the chart and the, the thought distortions. I work with that. I do tons of work with ego states. That is my new favorite thing, which is parts work or internal family systems, if you're familiar with the psychology aspect of that. And, you know, to me, my role as a coach is to ask good questions. And I never know what anybody's going to show up with in my office. I had a, a client two weeks ago that's like, I really want to talk about money. And we ended up talking about um, the narcissistic ex, right? So it's like, I never know where it's going to go. But working with the parts and those aspects of ourselves that we bring forward, to me, when I work with couples, when I do executive coaching, when I work with just individuals who are looking to transform their lives... That to me has one of, been one of the best um, one of the best methods that I've been that I've been using for a while now. Mm. Kathy Grover's my guest, and we're talking about uh, our better mental health. There are certainly other areas of health we have sort of touched upon the physical aspects, more dealing with stress because these are the things that people are facing right now and. I, I, you would probably agree, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, so you can say yes or no. I disagree with you, Richard. You're crazy. But uh, then that's another show. But um, uh, <laughs> find something. Put yourself out there. But the main key, though, is that we have to, uh, I, and I say have to from the standpoint, that if you want to get to a place where your your mental health is manageable, you have to go through. I have to go through this process with my father. Yeah. I have to if I want to move on beyond it. Um, and so that's that's what I'm doing. Kathy Groover, my guest, and KathyGroover.com, KathyGroover.coach. And you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and um, we're talking about uh, the various aspects of the human 
a being, if you will, the physical, mental, mental, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and uh, um, uh, 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 and auditory uh, utterances. <laughs> that that sometimes even those of us who have been doing this for a long time have challenges with. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about. Um, I was thinking about this this process of of uh, again managing one's health. I've never been on a diet for my physical body. Uh, when I was diagnosed with type two diabetes, I didn't go into another diet. I knew what I needed to eliminate from mm -hmm. my intake. I needed to, I need I also knew what I needed to add to my intake that I would feel comfortable with, kind of like what you were saying. I switched sodas out. And I brought in those sparkling flavored waters, um, sparkling ice. Now, I mix them. I love mixing the flavors. Oh, so good. Uh, but that's what I found. And again, my blood sugar was back to normal in a month and a half. So great. When we're talking about mental health, it doesn't happen quite that fast. It, sometimes it can take a while. Is it always necessary to find a facilitator, i.e. a psychologist, a psychiatrist, counselor, therapist, etc.? Or is, is mental health management something that I can do, a, a, a do it myself? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I'm never going to say, I'm never going to say always. Uh, yeah, never going to say always or never, uh, because it, there just there is no always, right? right I mean, right. there's going to be exception, an exception to every rule, whether it's always or never. Um, having said that, I have a lot of friends who are obsessed with the self-help stuff, right? If it's on the bestsellers list, they're reading it, they're doing it, they have a new journal for it, and they spend so much time and money diving into these books, these programs, these gurus, who they hope will help them move forward. Now, will it? Probably if you're actually doing the work. I also know people that have 30 shelves of self-help books and they're still so stuck. They're still so negative. They're looking for some outside thing to change them. And it's not always useful when you do that because there's no one holding you accountable, right? So it's like, I'm going to go read this book. Well, who's holding me accountable if I'm doing the exercises, if I'm actually having that shift? We're talking with Kathy Groover, kathygroover.com, kathygroover.coach. And uh, we're talking about uh, ways to, uh, we were talking about, you know, in terms of self-help, you, you were talking about that and, and doing it yourself. And, and I've read a lot of self-help books back in the 80s, especially. That's kind of where all of this started for me. I was on my search, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi was my primer, you know, and on and on. And I'm a metaphysician, you know, and uh, just trying to find answers and trying to find some stability. And I'd like to think that maybe I found uh, a way to look at a lot of the life processes, all of them, all the way to the end, okay, uh, from a perspective where I don't get stuck in a lot of that stuff that a lot of people do. Now, yeah. not that, not by any means that I'm, I'm, I'm immune, okay, don't get me wrong, but by the same token, it just seems to me that there've got to be some methods by which we can sort of, kind of, in a way, not completely, sort of prepare for the potentials of a job loss, which is going to happen if you live a long time. Uh, maybe a divorce, uh, loss of a sibling, loss of a parent, uh, 
uh, loss of a home, whatever the losses might be. There's got to be a way to sort of put a mental, uh, a mental note in there, a a mental post-it that says this, everything's temporary. It's okay. You know? Uh, Yeah. If you feel badly, go ahead. It's all right, but feel it. I mean, because what, what's that old saying? If you're, if you're hurting, it means you're alive. Which doesn't give a lot of people a lot of solace, I understand. Right. But it's all, even that is temporary. And, and, yeah. and so it just seems like there's got to be a way to bridge the intellectual to the emotional areas. Uh, have, you, have you found anything like that for yourself? Yeah, you know, and the self-help thing's interesting, right? So, I mean, you know, people have all these books and they read all these programs and they do all this stuff. I personally think, and again, there's no always or never to me, but I personally think at some point bringing in somebody else to help you on that journey, you know, I could have my clients read the coaching book that I studied in my program. Mm -hmm. That's not me asking them questions. That's not me listening to what they say and that triggering something in me and me urgent, you know, getting the urge to ask them something or to give them homework or to refer to that thing that I read back, you know, 15 years ago that um, could help them. So this is where I love bringing in somebody else. Mm. Doesn't have to be a therapist or a coach. It absolutely can be. We grow so much through our relationships and the person that we pick as a spouse, partner, lover, that type of romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. often that is a mirror for one or both of our parents. And I did a lot of studying of Amago Amago therapy, um, the getting the love you want with Harville Hendricks. I did a couple programs with his organization, and he believes very strongly that we grow and we evolve from those childhood wounds by dealing with this stuff now with our partner. And I have absolutely seen that to be true. So can you read the book? Sure. But if you go to someone who can actually walk you through these things, help you get past those landmines it's going to be better. And this is why every time I get in my office or on a Zoom with a coaching call, mm-hmm. it's so exciting to me because I don't know what I'm going to get to pull out of my out of my toolbox, right? Maybe the one day they need a wrench, one day they need a hammer, one day they just need me to sit and hold that space while they process themselves. And the advantage of having somebody there with you is they get to help you process that. I think it speeds up the process if you get the right person. How important is 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 developing a network? Now, I know that a lot of people move around and yet we have, of course, the Internet, Facebook and Twitter and all of these things to sort of kind of keep connected. OK, or Zoom. But it's not quite the same as having physical a physical person yeah. there. There's there's an energy, in my opinion, there's an energetic loss if they're not face to face. I love having you on the program. This if this is the way we're going to do it, then this is the way we're do- going to do it. But if you were here live and in person as we recorded these programs, the dynamic is going to be different. So, but how important is it to create for oneself uh, that local network of people that you could go to who aren't going to judge you? And there's the real hard part is finding those people who will actually listen and not judge you. Right. That's tough. And that's where you want to bring in a coach or a therapist, right? It is not your friend's job to constantly be your therapist. That is not what we have those types of relationships for. Can we complain to a girlfriend or talk about the relationship or, you know, blab about the job lot? Yes, absolutely. We want to have that social network. We want to have those friends. Um, I don't know how much social media is working because in looking at some of the, you know, the up and coming generations who have lost the ability to tell uh, facial expression, vocal tone, eye contact, you know, we're starting to lose the ability to 
pick up those subtle in-person signals, right? Uh, and now kids don't even need to walk across the street, knock on the door and say, can so-and-so come out and play? Moms are arranging play dates or dads are arranging play dates. So, you yeah. know, I think we're raising a couple generations that are just really going to be at a disadvantage because they're looking for their validation and their self-worth through how many likes they got, how many people shared their video, how many people are watching them on TikTok, as opposed to it actually being this real life scenario where they are getting true emotional familial support in person and all these anonymous people that are liking your TikTok video it's support but not the kind of mental health support we need because you figure if next week you post a video and it doesn't get as many likes people go into like massive mood shifts from not getting that validation on social media yeah and that's i, I think a really dangerous place a really dangerous thing for us that's one of the reasons i said at the front end of the program that the numbers uh, the the subscribers uh, and listens, though it's they're great that they're going up. I mean, I'm at a. I've been I've been posting on YouTube. I've got over uh, nearly 400 videos since uh, the summer of uh, 2020. Okay, nice. I only have 104 subscribers. So what? The, the 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 number of people that are viewing the interviews is like 97 to 98 percent of those viewing which means yeah. that it's only 2% of the total that are actually subscribing. And, and that's okay yeah. because it's getting the information out there. It's having these conversations with you and others uh, yep. that hopefully people will glean something. They'll get in touch with you through kathygroover.com or kathygroover.coach and, and uh, find out more about uh, the work that you do and maybe talk to you about some of the things we talked about here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Kathy Groover is my guest. Kathy, uh, I want to ask you now, uh, because you talked about, you know, how excited you get when you get somebody on the line that you're able to talk to and, and assist and facilitate. I mean, they have to do the work. I know you know that. But uh, you're there to sort of facilitate, and you can gently guide them. I mean, they have to find their own way, but I know that you have certain techniques or tools, you know, a hammer, a wrench, whatever it is, whatever it is yep. or just hold the space. How much of your intuition plays in this? Because you have a massive amount of education. I mean, probably yeah. rivaling the, uh, the library at Alexandria, for all I know. Uh, but um, we talk about trust, listening to that still small voice yeah. during the decade of perfect vision and, and following the promptings. Talk to us yeah. about uh, intuition and the importance. Yeah. I, I love that. So since I was a little kid, Adults would plop me down and tell me everything. And I remember being like 11 and one of the moms from dance class, like I danced with her daughter and she was talking to me about this trouble she was having with her marriage. And I remember thinking, God, I'm not even menstruating yet. I don't know that I'm qualified to hear the problems in your marriage. Uh, but for some reason, just everybody did that. You know, people on the bus, people in line at the store. It was like I had the sign that said, tell me your story, <laughs> you know, um, but not necessarily wanted. I didn't have any way of helping them, which is why I think I, I kind of started to go into psychology. It was always fascinating for me. And as a theater major, I was a theater major. I pursued my acting career in Hollywood for a decade. Uh, there's so much psychology along with that, right? How do you develop that character? How do you develop those relationships and pick them apart and manufacture that with someone you don't really know? When I was doing, started doing massage, I realized they were people on the table were telling me everything. And it mm. almost began to be more of a coaching 
It was like coaching massage. It was like coachage. We'll <laughs> figure out mis- I like coach. that. I don't know what it was. Uh, we'll, we'll morph that together later. Um, and then when I went into doing hypnosis, a hypnosis session tends to be about 30 minutes of talking, all the pre-talk, the intro stuff, and then 15 or 20 minutes of actually putting the person in state to do the work. And I started to love the talking part more than the put them in hypnosis part. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, wow, you know, I'm doing this anyway. Why don't I get my coaching certification? So I did. I went through all the training. I did this during during the pandemic because I couldn't see people in person. So finished my coaching, took the exam, did all the requirements to be certified with the International Coaching Federation. Because the Capricorn part of me is like, look, if you're going to do the thing, you need to learn to do the thing. Hmm. Um, And I've had people say, I love telling people what to do. I'm going to be a coach. That's not what that is. Um, Very specific type of communication when you're a coach. Very specific types of questions. It's a very unique and special relationship. So if you're looking for a coach, make sure the coach has actually been trained to be a coach. Or if not, who knows what you're going to be getting. Um, And my first couple clients, and I will admit this, right? I was so stuck in the method like, you know, I'm, I'm, they're talking and I'm racking my brain going, okay, well, in lesson two, I learned this technique. I wonder if that would work or uh, uh, no, no, no. And I found that I was so stuck in my own head of trying to do it right or trying to pick the right technique or trying to prejudge, oh, I bet this is where they're going. I can ask them this question and this question. It's not about that, man. It's about sitting in that listening and just holding the space and waiting. And now that I got out of my head with that and I put the book away, I'm such a better coach and I know exactly what to say and I know exactly what to ask. And I have pulled homework out that is perfect for them that I never would have like conceived of when we started the session. So it is so much my intuition and that observation of when did they swallow? When did they take a deep breath? Are they pausing and giving them space? You know, I've asked a question and then sat back and waited for five minutes in silence Mm. And it's amazing what people come up with when you just ask the right question and you give them the time to figure it out. Yeah. That's my job as a coach. One of the things that I love is you ask the question. And I had this 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 experience in the personal growth programs I went through. I went through LifeSpring, mm-hmm. which was an outgrowth of EST uh, back in 80 or 81. Uh, then I also, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I went through a couple of programs. They were the same program, but they renamed it one, and it was called at first Delta Vector, and they renamed it, I believe it was renamed Omega Vector. And the founder, uh, George Adair, who was a printer, not the, the other one, uh, um, basically his focus was using uh, the teachings of Teilhard and the Zero Point. And that's where it started. And of course, then he expands to all other things. But the funny thing is, uh, they will, they'll, they'll, as we're going through the program, they'll ask the person a question. Why are you feeling this particular way? They weren't judging them. They were wanting to have them mm-hmm. answer the question. Why are you feeling this way? And you know, the first answer is always, I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you said, you give them five minutes and then they start talking even more. Yep. And they start processing and they start realizing, oh, this is why. I do know. I do know. Uh, and I, do you know what my answer is when somebody says, I don't know? What's that? I say, yeah, yes, you do. Yeah. 
And they go, oh, yeah. And then they start talking. And they start like talking. Someone is giving them the permission to know. There have been cases where they, like, they seriously don't know. And let's dig into that. Yeah. You know, what's in the not knowing? Like, yeah. how who's protecting you? Know, what part of you is being protected by you not knowing? Exactly. Or I'll say, so what? I'm a very direct coach. I call people on their BS. Say, <laughs> what if this? And I go, so? And they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then there's another wonderful phrase where they're 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 maybe they're trying to answer the question, and the phrase comes out. Oh, I'm so confused, and I loved the line that they came up with as a response. Well, the state of a confusion is a wonderful place to be, where you don't have to take responsibility for your life, but that's not where we live, okay. And you're not going to resolve whatever it is that's troubling you by staying in the state of confusion because yeah. the tax rate is very, very high. Anyway, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Kathy Groover's my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And, you know, uh, Kathy, Kathy Groover, who is joining us here, you have a whole bunch of letters after your name PhD, LMT, CHT. Uh, but there's one set of uh, uh, letters that are missing, uh, and you talked about um, some of the things that you like to do. One of them is, uh, <clears throat> if I may, because seems to me like this is part of your personal therapy, is uh, flying through the air with the greatest of ease, like the flying woman on the flying trapeze. Yes. You enjoy there's no that. Good, there's no good initials for that. Like, <laughs> T, I can put like TA for trapeze artist, but you know, and, and actually there's some missing. So I now have ACC, which is associate certified coach. So that's on there too, ah. as well as RM for Reiki master. And some of that stuff, literally my, my husband the other day said, you know, which, cause I, he got to actually watch one of my lectures this week and up on the screen, it had different initials behind my name that I normally use. And he's like, how do you decide what to pick? And I said, well, I can't put them all. I'd have to connect it to another PowerPoint slide. Exactly. I said, so I tend to go by, you know, like the audience that I'm going to be at. So, yeah, yeah I started yeah. doing trapeze about 10 years ago. Uh, totally hooked. I still do it here in Santa Barbara at Santa Barbara Trapeze Co. little shout out to them. And uh, it's great if you've never tried it. Your first trick is a knee hang. You hang from your knees just like you would on the jungle gym and you make your catch. And it's incredible. Yes, there's always a net. I don't know why people ask me that. That's how we get down. I mean, there's like, forget the falling part. That's actually yeah. how we get out of the, the apparatus. Right. Uh, and I actually started doing aerial silks as well. So that's really, really oh, fun. I do that wow. seventh dimension dance. I know what you're referring to there. Yeah. Now, would would you, uh, I know that you 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 can talk to, to me about this, uh, but I see your, uh, trapeze work as a wonderful metaphor for life with one exception and correct me if I'm wrong there is no net there's a net with the trapeze but there's for life there's no net for life there's or, always a net there is really there is there's always a net, right? You always have another choice. Okay. If nothing else, you can change your mind. And that's a great net, right? Uh, so yeah, I've actually done lectures about how trapeze is a parallel for life. You have to do that thing. You're scared. You climb that ladder. You're not sure you can do it. You stand up at the top on the, that precipice of, I have to take the leap. And you're holding this really heavy bar, which is surprising. You don't think it's going to be that heavy. You think it's just this light thing. And there's somebody there telling you, uh, the timing and to, to help you work through what you have to do. And you jump off that and you soar and you swing out. And if you're present, presence really important for trapeze as it is for everything. 
um, you get your catch. There's always someone there to catch you. And even if something gets messed up and you don't make the catch, there's a net. There's a net. And I've looked at so many times in my life where I thought everything was falling apart, right? Whether it's the, the dissolution of a relationship or I have to change cities or the job didn't work out or I didn't get that role in the play or I didn't get that promotion. I can now look back at that and I will tell you 100% of the time it has worked out exactly the way it's supposed to. That's the net. We don't always see it, but it's there. Yeah. In the trapeze, you actually see. <laughs> I, I know, too, that I would say that another element of the net would be my uh, intuition. And here's the reason why. Uh, I set up this. This has to do with finances, and I'm not going into major detail here. But I set up this, this financial plan that this is how I'm going to deal with and how I'm going to handle these things, right? And I'm getting this prompting that says, no, I, you need to do this. No, 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 no. You need to do this. No, 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 no. You need to do this. It's a totally opposite of what I, my plan is. It, it would, you need to do this. I finally, I couldn't take it anymore. Okay. And I did it. And yeah. only a few days later, I realized, my God, am I glad I did that? Because if I hadn't, things would have been a whole lot worse. Yeah. I love the prompting. I lo I call those downloads. And to Ooh. me, it feels like this tap on the shoulder of Kathy, do it. Do and every time I've listened to that voice, this is where I'm probably going to use always. Because let's face it, there are times where I'm like, ah, and I don't listen. And then later I go, ah, crap, I should have listened. Yeah. When I listen to that prompting, that urging, that download, it works out exactly the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And I have seen so many things in my life that my I started to use the term bold action. Like you've got to take bold action. That's how I'm with the partner I'm with now. You know, I went out of my comfort zone and I said, would you like to come for dinner tonight? And here we are three and a half years later, right? Wow. <laughs> um, it's that bold action of listening to those urgings and those prompts and following through with them. Yeah. And life changes so drastically when you're in that flow, when you're in that synchronicity, right? Of listening to that, that urging, that prompting. So we all have that incredible piece of intuition, whether it's stopping before you get to that blind curve and the car comes tearing around on your side or whether you're watching. I remember this so clearly when I was young, we were riding on Route 22 in Pittsburgh. My dad was driving. I was probably 12 or 13, three lane road. And there was a truck in front of us that had a bunch of furniture stacked on the back and nothing was loose and nothing was moving. But for some reason, I said to him, dad, you're going to want to change lanes. And he didn't question me. He didn't go, oh, that's just dumb. We change lanes and two seconds later, an easy boy, lazy boy chair comes tumbling out of the back of this truck, would have gone right through our front windshield. Oh my! I just had this urging to go, you might want to move. And thank God my dad had the sense to listen to me, right? Yeah. I listened to my urging. He listened to, to his, which was me saying, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have to listen to that voice. We have it for a reason. Well, here's the kicker I see with your dad. He didn't get the prompting. He already knew internally, I need to listen to her when she yep. says this, uh, you know, which is only slightly different. It's only sli it's like mm -hmm. he's already got it programmed into his, if you will, into his mind. If she directs me to do something, just do it. You can you you know what? You can question her with the third degree after. Yeah. OK, but just do it. Just do it. Yep. Uh, yep. And and uh, I'm the same way in terms of. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's uh, consistent, although it is much more so in the last few years uh, with my wife. I mean, it's like she will give me this 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 prompt. She will give me this guidance based upon her intuition. But where my ego gets in the way is 
why can't you let my intuition tell me? Why is it that I have to listen to you and yours? You know, it's like, what the hell was that all about? You know, don't just don't. You're a team. OK. And whether it's hers or yours, there it's there. To, it's there to keep you safe and to guide you. Yep. I um, I participated in this program uh, called the Santa Barbara Revels. Huh. And um, they put on a performance at the Libero Theater here in Santa Barbara uh, called the Scottish Solstice Celebration. And it was a two-act performance with the singing and dancing and acting and so forth. I had never done anything like that ever before. I'm 62, almost 63 years of age. And never done it before. Someone said, you know, you, you, you got a great voice. You should go audition. I thought, well, I don't know. Oh, okay, I'll go. I'll go, I'll go audition. And um, because I had written that one song called uh, I'm a Good Man to, uh, uh, Doing the Best I Can, uh, that was the song I sang for them. Well, we'll let you know. And the next thing I know, I'm in the chorus. And um, they, gave, they gave you the piece of paper outlining the entire schedule for the next four months into December. Now, I didn't read it that closely because we got to December and I couldn't believe how many rehearsals and dress rehearsals and performance rehearsals we had. Had I read that before, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. But as I'm going through December specifically, I'm going, I love this. This is, this is fun. Not so much because I'm up on stage and I'm acting or doing. It's because I'm with all of these people who are doing the same thing. And I'm not nervous up there. Because there are all these people up there doing the same thing. <laughs> you know, yep. we're a family and everything. And uh, so there are times when maybe uh, the intuition will, uh, you know, turn off the ears or turn off the eyes to something that if you see it, your brain's going to look at that and go, oh, nope, don't want to go there. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll do that. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. I had the best time. It was the best thing for me to do. Um, you know, I was away from my wife every Monday evening for rehearsal, for chorus rehearsal. And then once on a uh, Saturday, once a month and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's like with you and trapeze, you know, um, there's just something about, as you said, stepping out of that comfort zone, out of those nine dots, if you will, getting out of the box, so to speak. Yep. 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 And it's changed my life. I mean, that's where I met my partner, you know, and had I not started doing trapeze 10 years ago. Sure. Would I have shown up to the, to the rig here when they opened and tried it? Probably. But one of the reasons that he and I connected was because I had so much experience, right? Uh, I had been doing it for seven years before they even opened here. So I just, I brought something different to that exchange, to that interaction. And, you know, here we are. And I can't complain about that. And I've met friends all over the world. You know, it's been, it's been such an amazing experience, probably some of the best shape I've been in, even with a couple injuries, you know, from doing silly things that my not being present is, is how I've injured myself every single yeah. time is not being present. I well, think I would have learned the lesson by now, but I'm, I'm slow. Well, my mind is 17. My body is six, almost 63. Uh, I don't ever use that as an excuse. I only say, look, uh, the mind might be 17. The body is a little older than that. So take it easy. All right. Just take it easy. All right. And you'll be fine. And I couldn't believe this particular element. Talk about physical health. The simple change of insoles in my shoes. I cannot believe 
the difference it's made. Now, yeah, I've seen the, what is it, what is it the Good Feet store. I saw that about the insoles and everything. And, of course, their insoles are a little pricey for me. But it was amazing because yeah. I love walking. I mean, I love walking from the station. You know where it is here in Santa uh-huh. Barbara. I can get down there in 20 minutes. Nice. It's, you know, and I get to see the ocean and listen to it and all that stuff. And, of course, meet people along the way and. Uh, so it's really important for each one of us to to uh, uh, find what works for us, those wonderful experiences that we have. Kathy, how is it that <clears throat> you, what was the impetus for your going down this road that, and quite honestly, that brings you here talking with us today? And I'm talking going, going back, going back a number yeah. of years, girl. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I started doing massage really accidentally in college, and um, it grew out of someone seeing something in me that I didn't know I had. And I sat during the summer production of Treasure Island, of all things, my boyfriend was Long John Silver with a live parrot and a peg leg, and <laughs> this woman would show up to our children's theater, we had an award-winning children's theater back at, at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, then Point Park College. And I didn't have much to do except change the pirate flag at intermission. So I watched what she was doing, and one day she turned to me and she said, oh, Kathy, I've got to get back to my other job. I've got three people still on the list. Can you take those mats and go in the other room and work on John? And I said, no. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an actor. I'm not, you know, I don't do this. And she looked at me and she goes, yes, you do. And I had the sense to listen to her. Just like my dad listened to me when I said, you might want to move to the other lane. I had the sense to go, oh, okay. And throughout my life, it's been changed and shifted and influenced by people seeing something in me that I didn't see, seeing whether it was a talent or a different way of doing things or a different method of something, and me having the sense to say, yes, oh, you should try Reiki. Okay. Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Yeah, okay. You know, or them needing something that I can feel that need for them. And so everything has been born out of people encouraging me to do things and my drive to help people. You know, my mom died when I was very young and that shapes you. You know, she died when I was 18. She got sick when I was nine. You don't get through that without being a completely changed person. And so I think knowing that I couldn't help her and that Western medicine couldn't help her. And in eighties, in the eighties in Pittsburgh, there wasn't a lot of alternative options to help her. So I think that was one of the things that fueled it too, of if I can provide something for one person today whether they're listening to this or I see them later in my office or they read my, my, they listen to my podcast or they read my book or they heard a snippet of a lecture or they go try trapeze or silks or aerial, you know, then I did my job today. Is there a way that we could give a healing massage to the country? The country needs to relax. It really does. It needs to relax. I think it's about empowerment and we're not taught that, right? Like, I don't know about you. I didn't do geometry at all today. I'm probably not going to do geometry. Uh, I did have to have a conversation with uh, business licensing and I did have to balance my checkbook and I did have to have a relationship and I did have to cook the food for lunch and I made great guacamole. And Mm. I did, you know, the things that we do every day, I did have to deal with grief when my father passed away a couple of years ago. I know you're dealing with that in your family right now. We're not taught to do any of that. Now, not that we don't need geometry, 
trig calculus. I didn't. I was a theater major. <laughs> I only needed to know they took 10%. That's all I needed to know. But there are people that make a life choice where they do need that stuff. And there are people who make a life choice who don't need that stuff. What we all need is compassion, presence, communication, finance, sex, um, health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, sexual health, financial health. That's what we need. And we're not getting taught that. So unless you had parents who imparted that on you, or you, like you and I have both done, sought out those programs to help ourselves, then we don't know. And so if we could empower this country and this world to make better choices and to be present and compassionate and caring, that's the world's massage. Yeah. I know that uh, um, my family has never, as far as I know, because I don't know all the intricacies, because I've lived out here in California for almost 17 years, <clears throat> never been estranged uh, hmm. as brothers and sisters. Sure, we've had our disagreements. My brother and I are uh, on different uh, aspects of the political spectrum. But guess what? Throw the political spectrum out. He's still my brother. Okay? Yeah. He is still my brother. And I am proud of him for the things that he's accomplished in his life, including his retiring. He's uh, uh, two years younger than me, and he's already retired. How rude. <laughs> But then again, I've made it abundantly clear. I have no intention of retiring. My retirement is going to be putting new tires on the truck. Okay, that's my retirement. Um, I love doing this too much. Uh, but yeah. we, uh, we are a, a, a unit, if you will. We are a family. Uh -huh. And as um, a matter of fact, it's rather interesting because um, following, I just happened to be on the phone almost uh, immediately after my father passed. <clears throat> and they had done something absolutely beautiful. We talked about music earlier. They were mm -hmm. singing to my father as he was passing. Uh, so wow. I call up and what do I do? I jump right into interview mode. So what songs were you singing? And my sister, she got, she was, <clears throat> excuse me, she was angry. Uh, and she was a little terse with me, but I knew. Oops, uh, she's processing, Richard. You need to uh -huh. back off. So a few days after that, we got to talking and she apologized. I says, you have no, there's no apology necessary. I was not sensitive to, because, I mean, obviously I was processing too in my own way. Yep. I wasn't sensitive to the fact that you were going through what you were going through and anger just happened to be what you were going through. And, and these are the kinds of things that happen in life. Huh? And if we can clean things up, that's why I say I have, I, uh, there, ha there are no unspoken words between me and my father. Um, and that doesn't mean I won't talk to him from time to time. Matter of yep. fact, I was <laughs> just the other day, I was going through a little bit of a struggle with, uh, I can't remember what it was. And, and I was sitting there going, dad, what the hell am I supposed to do? What, what, what am I supposed to do with this situation? And, and I just kind of calmed down and everything was, you know, and it all worked out. It all worked out just fine. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's creating the network. If you've got family, hold on to them. Oh, my God. Uh, get rid of the rifts. I'm not saying we were a, a Norman Rockwell kind of family. OK, but we're pretty close. Pretty close. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've we've had a lot of fun in uh, the 62 years that I have been around. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll continue to do so. As you have shared with us, the fun you're having now 
uh, not only in your new relationship, but also uh, in all of the things, the outside the nine dots or outside the box experiences, outside the comfort zones experiences that you are choosing to have. They're not happening to you. You are choosing to have. Uh, So the final question before we wrap things up is, do you run into a lot of clients who um, they're still in that victim mode and uh, you know, it's, it's, so-and-so did this to me and did that and, and it's not my fault and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I, I've even had to say to someone, you are right where you are because of all of the choices that you have made, not anybody else. Nobody is victimizing you other than you. Talk to us about uh, uh, that aspect, because I swear I thought we were through it, through finished with it in the 80s. And then in 2016, 2015, with that presidential campaign, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's still huge victim identity. And one of the assessments that I do with every client that starts with me is a saboteur assessment. And one of the eight saboteurs is the victim. And I've had so many clients do the assessment, read all about the victim and go, oh, holy crap, I didn't even realize I was playing that record again. (laughs) Um, Now, that's one of the more present conscious people who look at that and go, oh, I don't want to do that anymore, right? They know it's a part of them. They don't want to feed into that. Mm -hmm. And then I have had a couple clients who they're very short-lived clients because I am not at all above firing clients who have spent the entire hour complaining about their friends, neighbors, cats, dogs, friends, girlfriends, cousin. And I'm like, look, I'm not coaching them. Like you can keep complaining about your boyfriend, but he's not here. So let's bring it back to you, you know? And I've had one or two where they just think it's a bitch session. And I'm like, that's not what you're paying me for. And I'm not going to take your money for that. I have other people who want to have a coach coachy relationship. And I think there's that misconception of what coaching is, right? It's not a time for you to complain and me to solve your problem. (laughs) It's a time for us to have a relationship where I ask you a question and we grow and evolve from there. So I still see a huge amount of victimhood. And, you know, we all have a little bit of victim in us. It's one of our ego states. Mm -hmm. It's how much of that comes out. When, When do we put on that outfit and present to the world in that way? And there's so much reward in this society for being that person, yeah. right? You know, if you're at a cocktail party and everyone's going and saying, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I just got a promotion. I just retired. Da, 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 da. And you turn to someone in that circle and say, how are you doing? And they go, oh, I'm okay. Who suddenly gets all the attention? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. look at what's on TV. If the Kardashians had a healthy, loving relationship, nobody would watch. That's true. We are so attracted. You know, my mother would watch her stories. And at least those were fictionalized drama, right? Yeah, the days yeah. of our lives, the General Hospital, the Santa Barbara. Um, now we're watching these reality shows where we are re- we are rewarding dysfunction. Yeah. And for the generations that are so addicted to social media, you know, it's you're either looking at the perfect thirty picture selfie with its airbrushed and with the you know all the filters, and or you're watching drama. And I don't think either of those are good because it completely skews our expectations. So, yeah, I think we're still seeing a lot of victimhood. I don't know that it's going to stop anytime soon. I hope so. And if we can get that whole world massage going, maybe if we get in a big line. I like that. And we like, but, do each other's shoulders and yeah. then we'll turn and go the other way. I think that hands across America thing will just do a massage train. In this case, it would be shoulders across America. Yeah. Hands on shoulders. 
we're shouldering the burden. That's right. <laughs> so let's undo that. Let's undo that. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it would uh, it would go a long way. Kathy Groover is my guest. You are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Kathy Groover, kathygroover.com, kathygroover.coach. And um, you have, I, I'm going to allow you to uh, uh, pump, a, pump a couple of, of, of your books to let people know of the kind of work that you are doing that they can read about in terms of their own, if you will, their own self-help or if they wanted to contact you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kathygruber.coach, if you want to do some coaching, it explains sort of the themes that I stick with. Um, I actually have relationshipreboot.coach if you want to do 10-week relationship coaching, which is such a fun program. Great for communication, getting to know those ego states, the triggers, the reactivity. Um, I have eight books. And my most recent one is Say What? How to Communicate Anything to Anyone, which goes along with one of my workshops. I've got Conquer Your Stress at Work, which is five techniques that I teach. Conquer Your Stress, which is like 45 different stress techniques. And my favorite journey of healing, which is everything I've learned throughout my decades of doing this, um, along with some personal stories thrown in of like growth and evolution of examples where I have found this stuff to actually be a practical use in my life. And they're fun and they're funny. And there's a couple touching moments in there. And all those are on my site, kathygruber.com, or you can get them here in person in Santa Barbara. So get on the trapeze, go do some aerial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I have to uh, uh, really uh, thank you for, and I really do appreciate the time you've given us. With everything you've mentioned about what you're doing, I'm going, how did you find time to do this interview? I, I don't understand how you were able to do that with everything else that's going on. So I do appreciate your giving us the time today. You bet. It's my pleasure to be back. Well, I'll tell you what, we have been doing this for 15 years, and we've asked three questions at the end of every program of our guests. Ah, but since you haven't been on in a while, we've Change the questions up just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to ask those questions in just a moment. First, I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations on the internet. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these videos. Click notification so that when I do post a new interview, a new conversation, you will know it and you'll be able to go and listen and learn and grow hopefully from that as well. We also ask that uh, you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision where we ask you to go within and listen to and follow the promptings of that still small voice. I've often jokingly said, uh, Kathy, what's the point of listening if you're not going to follow? Don't listen if you're not going to follow the promptings. And it takes trust. I understand that. It took me a long time to actually have it as part of my second nature. The only time that it doesn't really work that well as second nature is if I'm really into my emotions. That tends to kind of block mm -hmm. The willingness, it, that emotion is usually resistance to the prompting. So I have to work on, uh, I have to work on, if I'm getting a prompting, I need to kind of, doesn't mean I don't feel what I'm feeling. I just kind of back it down so I can get the prompting. And then I'll go back in and I'll go through it. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here, uh, we'd love to, to, uh, to see something from you if you can do it. Uh, PayPal, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. With all that being said, uh, we ask our, the three questions of our guest, and the first of those three is, who is Kathy Groover? 
Kathy Groover is an adventure-seeking, hyper-organized Capricorn whose goal is to change the world as many people as I can at a time. I love it. What is your life's purpose? <laughs> what I just said. Oh. No. Um, to, to make people laugh is absolutely one. Absolutely. And then, you know, to get to empower people to know that they can change. And I hope you get the movie reference. What was your best day? What was my best day? Um, God, you know, every day that I wake up is pretty damn good. You know, <laughs> it, because really, if you're in the present moment, then this present moment is unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, that's not a cop out. That's like this moment is the best moment I could have because this is the only one that exists right now. It's just the present. Eckhart Tolle, who I do a lot of studying with, um, used to live in Scotland. And he said he was above a pub and there was a sign on the door that said free beer tomorrow. And he said he was surprised at how many people showed up and said, I'd like my free beer. And the shopkeep would say, no, tomorrow. And he'd go, but I was here yesterday. And he goes, nope, it's never tomorrow. It's always right now. (laughs) I love that. That's great. Well, it's been great having you on the program. Thank you again. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, new paradigms for a new world where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, this part has gotten longer, uh, Kathy. Love to lol. Jeanette, I am still listening. And dad, be happy. <laughs>